This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America, brought to you through the cooperation of the School of Communications at Webster University, the global university headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, and Link TV. And now, here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. We're back in our St. Louis studios this week after a week on the road, and we have some catching up to do with viewpoints from Cuba and about Colombia. But first, Jim Singer is here with our weekly review of news from around Latin America. Thanks, Jim. And now our shout out to our listeners in Granada, Spain. Our listening group in Granada was our second largest this past month, behind only our listeners in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia. So we say mil gracias to all of our listeners in Spain and elsewhere around the globe. Now we return to Cuba this week after Donald Trump's surprise win in the U.S. presidential race. The Cuban government ordered five days of special military exercises. President Barack Obama's Cuba policy faces the threat of major rollbacks by Trump, as many of the changes were based upon special executive orders. Even before the election, during the past few months, the Cuban government seemed to be taking a harder line against the United States, especially when it came to exchanges, specifically exchange trips that would put Cuban high school and college students in U.S. homes. We spoke about the issue of exchanges with Santiago Perez Benitez, a professor from the University of Havana and the assistant director of CIPI, the Cuban Center for Political Research. At the time of our discussion, Perez was also on an exchange trip working as a visiting professor at Webster University. We recorded our discussion on the university's campus in St. Louis. Here's the second part of our conversation. The overall uh, projection of, of Cuban government, of Cuban NGOs, Cuban academics, Cuban civil society, Cuban organizations, is to promote those exchanges because they're beneficial. I mean, f- from the perspective of uh, Cubans having more access to, the, to information, to technology, to find out with the U.S. counterparts uh, a lot of things in common. And what I've heard is also uh, productive. It's also useful for the U.S. counterparts. So it's everybody's gaining on that. So that's, that I would say it's, it's the overall uh, strategy. Uh, and that's why there have been those increasing in, in exchanges in, in all area and different areas, just name it, healthcare, uh, oceanology, uh, biotechnology, other things. Uh, The point uh, already, you know, the devil is in the details, there are very many problems, but some of them could be uh, just a motive for for negative reaction from the U.S. and also from the Cuban part. In this case that you're mentioning, the demand being raised by Cuban officials is that it was done, uh, it was done uh, beyond the established uh, channel of communication, state to state, Cuba and the and the U.S. That uh, it was not, uh, it was done by the American embassy in in Havana without notifying the Cuban authorities that have. Uh, that have to deal with that. So it was kind of perception that it's parallel, it's outside the already agreed and established uh, channels of, of communication. And uh, I mean, we cannot be naive here. 
there is an history. There is uh, there are a lot of, of of times that this has been used in terms of uh, of creating, as as they're saying, alternative uh, future leaders that would create uh, uh, spaces against uh, the existing system in Cuba. Whether you like it or not, it's lawful. It's been recognized by the U.S. Uh, government. Uh, so I would say that that's a, that's a claim of, of the Cuban authorities, but, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an individual case, and I don't think that's going to, to create overall problems in terms of the ongoing exchanges, because uh, both parts and all other parts, universities, are very much interested in. It's interesting to me to hear about these exchanges because it involved taking students from Cuba and, and having them come to places in the United States, even some in this state, in Missouri, um, for some length of time. And it, it's interesting to me that the Cuban government wouldn't know that this was going on until many weeks or months after the fact. I think that they had on the website of the U.S. Uh, embassy in, in Havana and the Cuban youngsters were applying on that. But um, if there was within the, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not, I cannot uh, speak on behalf of Cuban officials, but if they have been established before and if, if the Cuban authorities had known before, why not? I mean, the, the same with the U.S. youngsters there. What the, what the, Cuban uh, youngsters have been saying is that uh, they have been brought to the U.S., they have uh, certain uh, days they have been deprived of, of making phone calls, they have been receiving courses on uh, on democrat democratic ways of, of doing things inside Cuba, democratic, you know, with, with certain uh, aspects, right? Uh, so some of them where have been saying at least on Cuban TV that they had the impression of being utilized, right? That they didn't know what what's going to be about. But you know, our relationship has been very complicated, and this is just a very small one uh, of things that are happening right now. But I mean, nobody's going to remember that in two or three months. So it's, but it's relationship are like that. I mean, it's. The Cubans are accusing the, 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 the U.S. administration and U.S. Uh, National Endowment for Democracy and USID and U.S., you know, State Department of, of using the funds, the federal funds, for promoting, um, I wouldn't say regime change, as was done by, by Bush administration, but systemic change, or at least creating the possibilities of changes in Cuba, and the, the position is the we don't we don't want to do that in in terms of Cuba's policy towards the U.S. We don't want to to generate any more problems that exist inside the U.S. cities or in the U.S. Uh, societies with the increasing tensions that that you see here. So let's have it on a very normal, open uh, way in relationship between societies and between governments. I, I think this naturally raises questions in our audience, who's mostly here in the United States, would ask, what is the feeling of the Cuban people toward President Castro? And 
we know, because we have covered it many times, the, there are really great nuances in Cuban politics that we don't often hear about in the United States. And so we know President Castro has said he is going to step down. There is going to be a transition. Um, what can you tell us about what Cubans are talking about regarding that transition and the end of a Castro as the president of the country? I was in the U.S. in the early 90s, and uh, there was at those times the question of what's going to happen after Fidel is out of country, after Fidel dies. And now, I mean, the, the transition has already taken place in 2006 when the, he stepped aside, was uh, Raul Castro. And uh, it's, it's, it's very normal to, 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 ask to, to ask that question, and that, that, that's it. And a lot of people in Cuba also ask uh, that, uh, that question. My perspective, and here, you know, I don't, want, I don't have the crystal ball, but what I'm seeing in, term, in terms of trends and the perception of Raul Castro's reforms and measures, uh, in general, have been taken positively. Uh, it's been allowing the selling of things that during previous years were prohibited uh, out of certain considerations in terms of selling houses, selling cars, selling cells, uh, the prohibition of Cubans not entering to the hotels. So all these prohibitions have been removed by by Raul, and uh, they also the reforms been made in terms of. Uh, uh, increasing privatization of certain areas of the retail business in terms of decentralization of taking of, of measures in terms of cooperativization of land and also some uh, uh, some more private owners um, in Cuba at least to have more possibilities of selling so there are a bunch of, of, of changes in Cuba that generally have been supported by the by the Cuban uh, public opinion and the Cuban uh, society. So if there is not to be Raul Castro in 2018, and would be what, what's been said at least, right, is Mr. Diaz-Canel, who is a younger guy, and, uh, but more or less the structures are going to be the same. Uh, I wouldn't expect to be drastic changes if uh, the most important variables of development of Cuba that have come to these points are going to, to continue. I would expect uh, variables, for example, in terms of the situation in Venezuela, there might be deterioration of the economic situation of Cuba, maybe a, a more hardening of the U.S. restrictions. Remember that embargo is in place. All that could uh, could create a lot of more, more criticism on the Cuban people because of the economic situation. But uh, we have already known that for 50 years, uh, when even if the economic situation is deteriorating or, or pressure is going to be increased, uh, people naturally circle the wagons. As it's in, in in all the in different societies, so there is a lot of criticism going on in Cuban society on a lot of things and on certain corruption issues that exist there, uh, in in the way sometimes the budgets are being approved uh, at the at the national level and not at the municipality level. 
there are a lot of discussions in terms of agriculture, which has never been in Cuban history, uh, in Cuban revolutionary history, efficient, effective. Uh, so, for example, right now it's a very ongoing uh, discussion in terms of one document that um, that uh, the officials sent to the people to discuss, which is the uh, the strategy for 2030 in terms of what would be the changes, what it, what would be the model of, of Cuban society. There is an ongoing discussion of that. There is a lot of criticism on the role of the press. You have to have a more open press, more criticism. Uh, so uh, things are, are evolving. People's criticism is increasing. We are having now a more educated society, which do not accept things that it used to be in the 60s, uh, but uh, that I would say that's within the framework of, of the existing system and uh, if you would ask me if things are going to change drastically in 2018 uh, my bet is not that they're going to change to there because it's not the same it, it, it's not only Raul it's the historic generation who made uh, the revolution and who had uh, certain legitimacy now this new generation is coming. It doesn't have the historic legitimacy. But on the other hand, uh, uh, it, uh, it's kept a lot of uh, social gains uh, due to the Cuban uh, uh, system, healthcare free of charge, education, the college, um, uh, college uh, access, and uh, it also in the in the uh, security warfare, in the warfare, uh, welfare of, of the population. So I would say that um, there are not uh, major reasons from my perspective uh, in order to es expect an abrupt change of Cuba. The situation is evolving. And also the same the international situation of Cuba is evolving. Uh, relations with the Western European countries, um, there's going to be a sign an, an agreement with Cuba and the European Union. European money is, is, is coming, or at least it's been said that it's going to come. Uh, the case of the Canadians, the case of the Chinese, also the case of, of the Russians. So uh, there is at least uh, some light, right, in the, in the perspective. Thank you. Santiago Perez Benitez, our guest today on Latin Pulse. He is a professor at the University of Havana and the assistant director of CIPI, the Center for International Political Research in Cuba. Thanks again for being our guest. Thank you. Coming up, catching up on the derailed peace process in Colombia. Stay with us. <laughs> 